open your Bibles uh, to the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 2. And kiddos, you are released now to go to your classes. Have a good time. So let's, why don't we stand uh, for the reading of God's Word. Today's reading will be in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you, are, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Alex. Well, church, last week, uh, if you remember, as we studied, we studied uh, an earlier in this chapter about where we once were. We studied about the fact that we were strangers and uh, aliens, how, how it unpacks here. We, we were not part. We were separated from Christ. We were identified with those who were apart from the people of God. That's where we were. And then we talked about what Christ has done how we were far off, and then we've been brought near by his blood. And if you've never been brought near by his blood, I'd exhort you to consider what Christ has done, because you are separated from Christ if you have not trusted in Christ, and you have the opportunity to do that this morning and trust in Jesus. So we talked about where we were, what Christ has done to bring us near, and as we come to this passage, we are going to look at what we have become, what we have become, because it says here that we were strangers and aliens, and we've become something. We've become a new race, not one that's based on the color of your skin or nationality, one that's based on the blood of Jesus making us one. We've become a new society. John Stott says this. He says, the church lies at the very center of the eternal purpose of God. It is not a divine afterthought. It is not an accident of history. On the contrary, the church is God's new community. For his purpose is not just to save individuals and so perpetuate our loneliness, but rather to build up his church, that is to call out of the world a people for his own glory. So we once were separated, strangers and aliens. We've been now brought near to be a part of a church, to be a part of a faith family. And this text talks about 
different descriptions of what that looks like. In a sense, we're going to walk around like a, a jewel that has different facets. So you might use different words, but you're looking at the same thing. We're looking at the expression of the local church, and some of the things we're going to look at, it talks about being citizens. It talks about being family members. The text talks about us being building blocks, so we're going to look at those. So the first description that we see here in the text, look back at verse 19. It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. When you think about citizenship, citizenship can bring about pride, certainly can bring about pride during times where there's like the Olympics, where you're, you're rooting for your own country. But citizenship in the, the first century was highly personal. One commentator wrote this. He said, one city provided one's identity. The city laws were part of one's being. Its customs, a source of pride. Its inhabitants were one's lifelong friends. So in the first century, I mean, even in scripture, you learn about statements like Saul of Tarsus. People were identified with the place that they live. Oftentimes, people lived in the same place, never moved. They were there. They identified with it, with the laws, with the people. That was their identity. And in the first century, if you came to Christ, you actually became a stranger to that. You kind of felt like an outsider because you were now a part of a, of a new community, though you were in a community. Have you ever felt like you didn't belong? Have you ever felt like there was like a glass wall between you and others? Like there's some secret handshake that you didn't know you were on the outside? Well, the text here says we are no longer what we used to be. We were no longer that stranger or alien. We have become supernaturalized citizens of a new kingdom, of God's kingdom. And the implication of that is, is we have a place to belong. We have a place to belong. We have a place to identify with. We have a people that are a common people. We have a people to be a part of that have a common language. That common language is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we have interaction with one another, the gospel applies to everything that we do. Rather than just kind of wondering how things work or not understanding each other, we have this common language of the gospel to come back to, to address any matter of issue in our hearts. In Christ, we have a common heritage because we've been become a part of his kingdom, a part of his people. This history that we read about in our Bibles isn't just the history of the nation of Israel. It becomes our history. So the people who are in this room with you have a common history. We have a common goal to glorify God. We have a common allegiance because we're all following Jesus we're all going to the same destination. Not just people who run into one another, but we're all, going, we're all going to heaven together. We're all going to that place together. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones once said, he said, we no longer live on a passport, but we really have our birth certificates. We really do belong. And so when he even says our birth certificates, he's speaking about the next description that we see here in the text. Look back at your Bibles. It says, uh, you know, that in verse 19, so then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints 
and we're members of the household of God. So it speaks of even more intimacy than just even what citizenship should have. Now I get when we speak about households and families, some of us come from broken families. Some of us are aware of just all the brokenness in families, whether it's in our culture, in our world, or over the course of history. I get that. But the family that's talking about here is the family of how things should be. Because this family is led by a father who's always faithful. We have the same father. We have the same father. We are part of God's household. And scripture talks in family language. In 1 Timothy, Paul talks and, and encourages us to treat one another like family. Older men treat, uh, younger men treat older men, you know, in the church like fathers. Younger women treat older women like mothers. We treat one another like brothers and sisters. So it's family. The church is not an event or a building that you see here. We are a family living on a mission together. We're, we're a family. We're not to treat one another like we're visiting a hotel. Okay? When you think about when you visit a hotel, you come to the desk, there are niceties exchanged with the person behind the desk. You know, maybe they give you your name, a few, you know, interesting things, maybe some jokes are shared, but it's like totally surface level. No one is going up to the counter at a hotel going, hey, let me tell you about the marriage problems that I have going on right now, right? Let me tell you, I just sinned at my kids as we were traveling here, and I need some help. No, they're just, it's totally surface level. And then maybe if you get good service, you might leave a tip, and, and that's what it is. That's not what the church is supposed to look like. The church is family. The church is is the place that we experience love. There, there's a term in, in the New Testament uh, called brethren, or meaning brothers and sisters, that's, that's the most commonest you know, description of Christians in the New Testament because it expresses this, this close, intimate relationship that the people of God have. And I love this church because I see this all the time. I saw it as we were going to pray, right? We need to sit down and pray. And all of a sudden, some of you are like, it's fellowship time, conversation. I get to be with the people I love to be with. I love that. I love that we have to be called back because we need to do something together because that's what's supposed to look like. We experience love from one another. Like when you were a kid, you knew the place to go of safety when a storm came right? When the thunderstorm comes, it's not the storm shelter, it is mom and dad's bed, right? That's the place that's safe. Well, we have those things in the church. Sometimes there's care that needs to happen in family that we experience love when life is disorienting. I know in my own life, when I was younger in first or second grade, I fell and hit my head on the ice, Concussion. Still don't remember like three or four hours of my life. Life was disorienting. Well, my mom and dad got me. They took me to the hospital. They, they made sure my needs were taken care of. They, they, they cared for me. Even when life is absolutely disorienting and you forget stuff, we experience love 
in the family of God because we are a part of his family. As I said, we're in the household of God. The family of God. When you think about the household, when you think about a fa- how a family should be, a family is the place where you can be yourself. When I think about Christmas morning, you know, if there, there are no images online of what I look like on Christmas morning for a reason. You know, there, there are, there's a shirt that I'm wearing that does not match whatever sweats I've chosen to put on or whatever holes are in the shorts that I've chosen to put on. My hair, it looks like you've put 12 pounds of gel in it. It does things that are just amazing. And I just come out, and I'm with the family, and I look like that. And there's no one in my house that goes, I can't believe Dad didn't take a shower and comb his hair. Why didn't he get dressed for us to come out? Because they don't care. They don't care at all because we can be ourselves. And that's what the church is supposed to be like. That's, that's the experience. So when, and I know folks have come into our midst and they're like, what is, this is so different for me. People are interacting. I love this about, I, I love you so much. I love inviting people to our church. I invited a friend, yes, to come to the bags event yesterday and he just had a great time. Because you loved on him. He could just be himself. Nobody was like, hey, I I got some observations for you. Or, you know what? I think I'll be over here. No, that family, that's what family is supposed to be. We're God's household. And it's, it's also a place that we have a role to play. When you think about a household, think about the last time you had a family over to your house for dinner, right? Y'all were just chilling, sitting down. No, like someone's cleaning the toilets, someone's got the vacuum, we're getting this done, someone's got that job. If it snowed outside, somebody's shoveling the driveway and the sidewalk coming up. There's all different things that have to go on. I know in our house, I don't know about your house, when our kids were little, like there were lists. People had stuff they had to do because we all have a role in family. Whether we talk about Harvest Kids and there's a need there, Like in a family, when there's needs, we don't just go, oh, I do not feel gifted, mom, to clean the toilet. Right? That that doesn't go well, right? Dad, I I do not feel called to mow the grass. No, family gets stuff done together. Family's supposed to be serving one another. Because we're redeemed. We aren't supposed to be here. We're here because of the blood of Jesus. So when you think about serving in some way on a Sunday morning, there's holes right now in places to serve. And there's some of you who aren't serving. You are part of this family and you're missing the joy of being part of the family. And I get it. If you don't like mowing the lawn, you don't walk away and go, oh, this was the most wonderful thing. But you've contributed to what God is doing. And I, I know God blesses Everyone who has stepped into something that they might not feel gifted in doing, but yet God uses it because the church, when we think about the church and interacting with one another, we think about being citizens, we think about being a part of God's household, the church is part of our identity. It's not just a thing that we do. There's an interconnectedness that exists in this church family. If you look at verse 22, it says, 
in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God. Being built together. There is a, an individualism that marks our country, the culture that we live in, right? I do my thing, you do you, I'll do me. Individualism. We're breathing that air every single day. Wasn't possible often in the first century. Like in a community, you needed the community to survive. But we have to push back against that temptation. And there's reality. I was talking to my wife and some others who were at our house. I was like, we're in our living room. In our day, I don't actually have to leave this room. Except for when I go to the bathroom. Someone can bring me my food. I don't, I don't have to leave. I can be completely isolated. And the enemy would love nothing more than for that to happen in these relationships here. That's what the enemy wants to do. But we are being built together. The idea of being separate from a local church is a foreign concept to the New Testament. It's as weird as someone... Uh, who, who calls himself a citizen and never resides in their, in their country. They're completely a stranger. They're always gone to a place where they're not welcome. They don't know the laws. That's, that's how crazy it would be. Or it's, it's as hard as the reality of being an orphan. Like I've got a family somewhere, but I am just not connected to them. I'm all by myself. We would look at that and go, no, they need a family. Yeah, because we need a local church. We need to be a part of the family. And then as we get to the, the last description, we see building blocks. You would, you would not think it was good if a building was missing blocks. You've played the game Jenga, right? That game where you stack all the things up and the whole thing is that you, you know, push these blocks out and you're hoping that someone else pushes out that key block and it just busts all down. None of us walk up to a building that looks like Jenga right before the last block goes out and goes, hey, let's go in there. No, we need every block. Being separate is not what Scripture speaks to. Every New Testament letter is written to a group of people, to a church. The church at Ephesus, the church at Philippi, the church at Galatia, the church and Rome. Because it's expected that we will be a part of a faith family. And I know worship can look different. Some of us are like, well, you know, does worship always have to look like the way we do it here? No, it doesn't. But it looks like something. I mean, our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, some of them are, are getting in a car and driving around. And having worship. Why? Because then they aren't going to be targeted. They just look like they're going for a drive or they're going on a destination. And they're gathering to worship the living God. So you can have that experience there. So the gathering doesn't have to look like what it looks like for us. But it looks like something. And we have the privilege to gather. So it's not about a method. But we must gather it's expected, as you see in the New Testament, we're called to identify ourselves with a local body of believers because of what our Bibles tell us right here. That we are being built 
together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We are stones in God's temple. We are the building blocks in God's temple. For thousands of years, at least a thousand years, in Jerusalem, there was a temple. That was the place that people went to meet with God. Right? We, that's where we go to meet with God. And you remember from us talking last week and where we studied Hebrews, like only so many people could go so far, then a few people go farther, like and only one priest could go once a year to be in the presence of God. But now that we've been brought near, the temple isn't a physical place. It's the people of God. You and I, the outsiders, the ones who are far off, who are far off away from God's people, we have been brought near, and we not only have the opportunity to come near, we're actually the building blocks for the temple. So it's not a physical temple. It's not a physical building. But it does have some representations, some things that the physical building looks like. Like the, what we are become has, has a foundation, It has a cornerstone. It has building blocks. And Paul unpacks that for us here. Because every structure needs to have these things. A physical structure certainly does. Right? A foundation is needed for every structure that is built. If you don't have a good structure... Uh, it doesn't matter how awesome a bricklayer you got. It doesn't matter how, how amazing the interior decorator was. If you don't have a firm foundation, just like the image that Jesus gave us about build your house on the rock, like I was talking about building your house upon the rock solid nature of who Jesus is, you know, because if you build your house in the sand, it's going to wash away. We all have images of that, right? Not too distant past of houses falling into the lake, because they were built on sand. Didn't matter if they spent a bajillion dollars on a house. Bad foundation goes into the lake. So what is our foundation? What does it say here in the text? It says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. You're like, I don't don't get what that means. I I haven't stood on an apostle or a prophet anytime recently. That that seems kind of weird. Are, are they buried? Are they under the floor here at the church? Is, that one of, is this one of those kind of churches? No, the, the apostles and the prophets in the New Testament are the ones who proclaim God's word. The apostles in the Old Testament are the ones who spoke and then said, thus saith the Lord. They spoke God's word. So our foundation is God's word, the revealed word of God. And we have the privilege because saints of old died to translate these words from the original languages into our language because they believed these passages were true, that that God's word is the rock-solid foundation on which we should build our lives on. That's the rock-solid foundation for us as a church. It's like the given. Like that's the irreducible minimum. God's word. Because this is where we learn about God. This is where we learn about salvation. Certainly we can learn about God in creation, but we learn about salvation through his revealed word. That's why when we preach, whoever comes to preach here, we're preaching expository messages. What does that mean? It means when we look at the text of scripture, 
We're seeking to say what this text says, to understand what the intent was to the original hearers, to understand what is this supposed to mean to me, that we're not just supposed to go, hey, I like this verse, and I like that verse, and you know what? That really supports the things I think. No, we just sit under this book. We value this book. In fact, as elders, we're praying, saying, Lord, how, what are ways that we can grow in teaching God's word to us as a church? What are ways that we might need to study God's word more as a church? Because if it's the foundation of the church, it needs to be the foundation of our lives. I want to ask you, like, how much is God's word a foundation in your life? I'm not talking, did you get a a badge on the Bible app because you completed a Bible reading plan? Although those are kind of fun. If you ever completed one, If you want to complete one, go find a two-day plan. You can feel good about yourself this afternoon. They'll give you a badge. No, like, it's because these words give life. In Timothy, it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. For the man of God is competent and equipped for every good work because of knowing these things. How does the young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to what? God's word. So this is our foundation when we think about what God is doing, building us as a temple. God's word is our foundation. Not an office, not a leader. God's word is our foundation. And here's the reality, folks. The local church rises and falls dependent, depending on if they hold true to this word. There are denominations that have been bleeding members and churches for decades. Not because they didn't know contemporary culture, not because they weren't relevant, because they stopped preaching the word of God. Why is their house shaking? Because it's not based on the word of God. But here's a reality. In my life, the people, there, you've experienced some of these people, right? You've experienced some of these people in our church who just seem like it doesn't matter what happens to their life. Storms come, they have joy. And trials come and they're just kind of smooth. You know, we kind of feel like trials come and like the tire's blown off and my car goes into the ditch. But these people, what, what is the deal with them? How is it that they're like that? Well, what you'll find, what you'll find somewhere, somewhere in their house is going to be a Bible that looks something like this of some kind of size and it's going to be worn out. Some of the pages are going to be dirty because they, they use them so much. Some might be torn and you have to carefully turn the page. You're going to be like, hey, uh, mom, I want to get you a new Bible. No, no, don't, don't get me a new one. I don't, I don't need a new one. I need this one because I have been underlining this and making notes in this and there's prayers in this. It doesn't mean you can't get a new Bible. Certainly you can. But God's word is their foundation. It's God's word your foundation? Is God's word the foundation of your small group? Is God's word the foundation of your relationships? 
That's where we start. But it goes on. More of the description. So, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Now, we don't talk about cornerstones that much. But one commentator wrote this. He said, virtually every ancient Hebrew understood the importance of the cornerstone because it determines the stability of the foundation and the architectural unity and symmetry of the entire building. He gives an example of one of the stones of the Jerusalem temple. One of, the, one of the cornerstones in the Jerusalem temple measures 38 feet, 9 inches in length. For reference, a railroad boxcar. Okay? It's not one of the bricks you get at your local home improvement store. This is serious. And why was it serious? Because for them in the first century, you know, they didn't have laser levels and things like that to make things straight. Now they put the cornerstone in and if you didn't follow the cornerstone in laying the stones, the walls wouldn't be straight. I've, I've looked at lots of houses over the years as we've moved there's some, sometimes we've looked at like 50 houses before we find a house. And inevitably, there's going to be two or three houses that we walk in and we're like, why is it that when you put a golf ball down in the dining room, it ends up in the kitchen? Sometimes that's because it's got a bad foundation. Sometimes that's because the walls weren't built straight. So everything is just kind of wonky. So you must follow that guide. And the scripture says, Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. Why all the time do we keep talking about Jesus? Because Jesus is our cornerstone. Jesus is our cornerstone. If you have to have to move from this place and move to another town and you're looking for a local church and you kind of looking at other websites, like you're trying to check a church out, if Jesus isn't mentioned on the website, it's probably not worth going. Because Jesus must be the central point as we build. Jesus is the central point for us individually, but for us together. We can't build together. Why? Because we have different opinions. You've disagreed with people, right? You've disagreed with people in this room. Maybe you've had conflict with people in this room. How does it not rip apart? Because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to rip us apart. We don't get ripped apart. We go, you know what? The thing that's going to keep us on the straight and narrow is Jesus. I need to be aligned with Christ. That's why abiding is so important. As we've talked about in John 15, like abiding in Christ because he's the one that kind of sets the course so the building is built. That's why we want to encourage other ones to abide in Christ. That's why when we engage with people, we're like, okay, if someone has an issue yeah, I might have some practical ways that I can help them parent. There may be some practical ways that I can help them in their marriage or how they engage at work. But you know what? If I take them back to Jesus, 
If there's one thing I do in that conversation, take them back to Jesus. In your small group, if there's one thing you do when someone shares something that you're going to help somebody with is take them to Christ in some way. Christ's faithfulness, the sufficiency of his death on the cross, of his blood that brought us near. There's some aspect of the gospel that, what are you doing? You're pointing them to the cornerstone and you're shoring up the walls of their house simply by pointing them to the cornerstone of Christ. That's what we want to do. Jesus is the cornerstone, and that's why we call people to follow Jesus, because your life's rudderless. Your house is going to be uneven if you don't follow Jesus. Just coming in here doesn't mean that you are a Christian. You must surrender yourself to Jesus and align your life to him. So if you've not trusted in Christ, you should respond to Christ because you're going to have no direction ultimately in your life without Christ as the cornerstone. So as the text says, so built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom this whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. We're being joined together. But in verse 22, it says, In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God by the Spirit. Each person in this room is a building block. Not a lifeless block that you set to hold the dirt back at your house. No, you are life-giving. You are essential for the church. Again, remember, the Gentiles couldn't go in the temple by threat of death death, and God has brought us near, and now each of us are a part of the building in which God comes to dwell. So each person here is important. God manifested his glory in the temple. That's where people came, to see God's glory manifested. So that means in this new temple that he's created, his church God manifests his glory because of you, coming to the place of you. God manifests his glory in you, and 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 God manifests his glory in you. And you know what? When you put it all together, that's why when we gather, we want to jump up and down and praise God because he shows up when his people gather. Whether when this group gathers or whether when your small group gathers or whether someday if we're not allowed to meet in this place and we hop in the car and we gather together, God's glory is going to show up because God's glory shows up in his temple. That's, that's the significance behind our relationships. They aren't just a place that's nice to be with people who are like us. No, there's deep theological significance of the reality that being a part of the local church is part of our identity. It's part of who we are. It's an integral part of who we are. We can't fathom not being a part of a faith family to labor together. Because there's times we don't feel important. You ever feel like you don't matter? You ever feel that way? I don't really matter. The enemy's told you, you, know, you don't need to be there. You're nothing. That is a lie. A lie from the pit of hell. Each person here is essential. This is not a Jenga game. 
This is, this is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ whom Jesus is building. Jesus is building his church. And it's not, it's not brick and mortar, it's people. It's his bride that he is going to come back for. That's what he is eagerly anticipating coming back for, his church. Let that inform our relationships with one another. It's part of our identity. We need one another's time and talent and treasure and love and resources and encouragement and rebuke, all of those things, because as we live the Christian life, we are a multi-ethnic temple centered on Christ, rooted in his scriptures. And we've all felt the temptation not to come. You felt that temptation. COVID allowed us to, to, to kind of be okay with the temptation of just like, I'm just going to, I'm going to phone it in and not come today. I'm not going to come. Like, I just want to be in my PJs this morning. Because that just feels, and you know, I got that new comforter, and I just love it coming up, and it just makes me feel so nice inside. And you know what? Like, you know, I don't want to be with people right now. I get it. There's, it's hard. Church is hard sometimes. Why? Because people come. Right? Nobody walked into the building and was like, I just don't want to go there because I just didn't really like the structure of the building. Right? You know, I really didn't, you know. The air freshener in the bathrooms wasn't the best. I don't, no, they're like, no, I didn't like Fred or, you know, whatever. Like, I get it. It, it can be hard. I, I realize there are temptations to not want to gather. That's why Paul is taking us to the text. And he said, as we learned last week, remember, remember where you were. You were an outsider. He doesn't go right and say, so so don't run back out there. But in essence, he's saying, remember, you were an outsider. Why would we want to be an outsider? Remember, you've been brought near because of the blood of Christ. And now I've created you into something new. And you are created to be to together in community. We see this back at the beginning of the scriptures, right? In Genesis. Adam. Not good for him to be alone. It's not good for any of us to be alone. You need this family that's here. You need, because you are an integral part of it, you need to serve others and you need to be served by others. There's such, such truth here. And I love, I love this church because this passage and this message is not a corrective one. It's one that's a joy to be like, yeah, we are experiencing this. Let's continue to experience this. Let's let, let any difference that we have, okay, okay, the difference is there. Let that difference just be an opportunity for us to look to the cornerstone. Let's look to the cornerstone. The cornerstone will help guide us in the direction that we need to be because we know the theological truth. These people are important. Oh, that person's wayward? Okay, <clears throat> we are in a Jenga game. I don't want my tower falling down. We need to go get them. We need to go after them. See how this truth just informs relationships, how it informs us going and getting one another? And it's hard. It's hard. You ever try to put a Jenga block back in after you took it out? But God is all I have to say to that. But God. Rather than Jenga, he's building his church. Because it's not based on us. 
and us holding it together. We know it's held together by Jesus. And, and the whole point of being together is because God comes and he meets us. And there's a picture. And when we gather, it's a, it's a taste of what's to come. Because this is what's to come. Revelation 21, 3 to 4 says this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And it goes on. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Now I get we're still in the already, but not yet. But when we think of what's to come, when we think about this text, like the church is the place where we experience a taste of what that is. The church is the place where God comes and dwells with his people. The church is the place where our eyes are wiped when things are hard, where we are strengthened, where we are encouraged. So friends, when you think about gathering with the saints, may this be in your minds. When you think about traveling and you're on vacation, be like, you know what? I got some extended family where we're going on vacation. I've never met them before, but it's going to be a reunion. They might make different food. They might sing different songs, but they're part of the family. So let's go worship with them. If you're not in a small group, like get in a small group because you're meant to be known and you're meant to know. You're meant to experience this in a more tangible way. Friends, I love, I love this church and I'm so thankful to God that he saved all of us, that everyone in this room, we were once strangers and aliens, but we're now fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined and held together with every joint with which it is equipped we're going to be getting into that because I know he's going to talk about every joint is built together, each joint is equipped, working properly, but we'll get to that when we get later on in Ephesians. But let's, let's build our lives on God's word, the foundation of Christ, and know the reality that being a part of a local church, being a part of this faith family, it's part of our identity because of what Christ has done. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your kindness to us. I thank you for giving us a physical place where the spiritual temple, the saints gather to worship. And we ask, Lord, that you would come and dwell in our midst every time we gather. Whether we are gathering with the saints in our small group, whether we are gathering here on Sunday mornings, whether we gather for events that we do, Lord, come and may we tangibly sense your presence. Lord, may we be reminded that we are being built together, not separate, not to be on our own, but we are being built together. 
And may we express that in our relationships with one another. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be an encouragement to one another. God, because we want you to use us. We want to be vessels. We want to be vessels and used of you, God. We ask that you do that. And we ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name.